Hey guys, we're back with killers all around us. Hey guys, we've missed you. Um, just wanted to hop on here and give you guys a new case tonight. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, we've had some, a lot of things going on with, you know, birthday parties and Halloween and driving Indiana and back and... <sighs> yeah, you know, life. A lot we of all, stuff. We, you know, we know you know. So, yeah. um, but yeah, true crime stuff. So the Gabby Panino case is definitely like, oof, oh my gosh, gotten huge. How I just, I mean, yes, you you can you know say in the worst circumstances, you know, a body can deteriorate in two three weeks to full skeletal. And you're talking about Brian, but, but really. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, my thoughts exactly. Um, there's something weird going on with that situation. For sure. Um, but yeah, super nuts. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and jump right into it. No, no, you before, I, I wanted to talk about this Muncie shit that I seen in, oh, the, okay. in the Star Press. It, <laughs> oh, it, it was kind of, it was kind of funny here. Let's hear it. So, the... The article headline was Affidavit. Muncie Man said he made anarchist cookbook grenades. Like, what does that even mean? Elaborate. Muncie Man arrested Friday on explosive-related charges, told police. He made three makeshift anarch cookbook grenades. Giovanni Jaquel Rambert. He's 28, and I know this guy. Wow. <laughs> Didn't know I knew this guy until somebody in the group chat told me who he was. And mm. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't even know who this was. But, yeah, I know him. Mm. So, he continued to be held in Delaware County Jail on Monday under a $90,000 cash bond. $90,000? Damn. Damn. That's fucked up. For three counts of possession with a construction device, a level two felony carrying up to 30 years in prison. 30 years. Wow. That is insane. So it goes on to say basically that the police were called to an apartment and they found three devices in a backpack in the building's basement. He lived at the address. Where was that? Do we know? The, it was on the West Knoll West, Drive. West, West uh, side of town. West Knoll. Mm -hmm. You know how that goes. Yeah. And um, he said that he basically made the devices a long time ago. And that they were for self-defense because that his goal was to kill someone before they were able to kill him. Mm. Like what? You want to be armed and prepared. So basically he said he was made aware that several people... And Muncie were possibly trying to harm him. So he believed that the shrap shrapnel and uh, bullets would have went everywhere if it ignited. And his makeshift art anarchist cookbook grenades basically um, would have went everywhere and, and tore people up. So what he's saying, the Delaware County Sheriff's Department's bomb squad came in and disabled the devices before moving them to another location. And, I mean... 
federal agents were notified and took part in the investigation. So that's federal crime. So, like, I think that this is just a prime example of, like, Muncie not working with a full deck of cards. Like, that sounds like, to me, like, obviously there might be some uh, drug abuse, but mental illness, man, it, it's rapid, it's rampant, and then you add the two together, it's just... Uh, they need help there a lot Muncie needs mental health um advisors advisors they need addiction addiction. counselors they need all of that they need help and and instead of people pointing the fingers and locking them up in jail that's not helping obviously and and i'm not in any way condoning what he obviously did um but i'm just seeing that you know there's a bigger issue here at hand i feel like oh for sure for sure. And like kind of related to it, I seen another article that said that, you know, a Muncie man threatened to shoot a Walmart worker. I'm like, what, sir? I mean, it's just like these people are just not working with a full deck. It's just. It said the Walmart worker tried to confront him for stealing a big screen TV. Like, sir, you, you can't just leave with a 50 inch TV out the Walmart without saying, uh, yeah, here's my receipt. I mean, I've heard about people doing it and. I just, first off, as a customer service representative, I've been one in the past. I do not condone approaching people that are just stealing. I don't know what your company's policy is. It is never right. I, I would never approach anyone stealing anything. Your your life is not worth risking no. for the company's property. No, because they're going to replace you it. in an hour. It is not worth it. Um, so, they'll, yeah. They'll have somebody taking over your shift before you before you're carted away. Like, no, thank you. So, yeah, I know you want to be a good Samaritan. Your good Samaritan part would be to just let authorities know um, so they can document the individual. Right. Like, sir, stop trying to play the hero. Like, my my gosh. Fucking Superman over here. Over a fucking flat screen TV that was probably less than $200. You got threatened to shoot, get shot. Like, I'm going to shoot you. Like, is that worth, like, almost losing your life over for a Walmart job? Then they ran to the car. Any job. They ran to the car. They could have shot him. Like, sir, what is wrong with you? Nuts. But it's everywhere. Like, we are crazy shit that's going on here. Oh, yeah. Constantly oh, yeah. And, um, oh, yeah. So. Even the crazy shit that's not, like, murder-related, even though there's supposedly a serial killer going around still that they hadn't caught. But even the true crime not related. You know, mm-hmm. just normal, everyday shit. That twerking pumpkin head video. Like, what was that about? That was in St. Louis. Like, excuse me? Yeah, and I had a I had an appointment downtown few weeks ago i seen a whole brawl of um like high school students and and i i mean when i say brawl i i mean it was like easily 60 60 people wow kids young kids fighting people bystanders videotaping just like and you know i thought i've seen some crazy shit and i think i'm tough sometimes but then you get put in situations like that and you're just like you wasn't breaking shit up. I was like, what the fuck? Let me, <laughs> let me get up out of here. I don't know where I'm at. And so, yeah. It, yeah. Crime and, you know, all that shit. It's everywhere, so. Yeah, no. Nah, it's next.
Okay, so let's get into the case today, guys. I'm I mean, I I'm not ready for this. I don't I don't feel like Yeah, you know what my case is, so you and you know the story. Yeah. So you're not gonna be too shocked on everything, but I'm not prepared. Yeah, no. I mean, how do you prepare yourself for this? Because, I mean, it's just a, a, a crazy tale of, of some fucked up shit. I mean, in my in my opinion, I don't think everything was fully explained. And, um, well, I, let's get going. I mean, the case is Tamil Horsford, guys. Um, if you didn't read the the show caption, notes. the show notes or whatever they're called, it's it's Tamil. Um and basically, I mean, the case is about, you know, the last moments before her life ended. And, you know, I mean, I want to start with, you know, her life and, you know, how we got into this unfortunate series of events that was told, you know, to the world as her last night. Tamil was born October 10th, 1978 in Kingstown, St. Vincent and the Grenadines. It's an island near Barbados. Uh, her father, his name was Kirtland St. Gior, and her mother's name was Elizabeth Potts. She was remarried to her new husband, um, Tamla's stepfather, Timothy Potts. So, Tamla was, you know, described as having a joyful, loving spirit who enjoyed spending time with her family. Tam was married to a man named Leander Horsfield. Horsford, sorry, don't want to mess their name up. They had five boys together, and she gained a stepdaughter and a grandson when they married. Tam enjoyed dancing, hosting friends, family at her home. She made sure that everyone felt welcome, and she was described as having a kind soul and an inviting smile, and her personality was filled with life. She was an active boy mom, shuffling between sports and various activities. Wow, so she just sounds like, you know, your everyday mom, just, you know, working hard, living her life. She sounds like such a great person, full of life. Right. When Lee met Tamala, he was said to have met his best friend. Oh. When Lee wanted to move his business from Florida to Cummings, Georgia, Tamil was down for the adventure. New scene, you know, better education opportunities for our boys, a lot like our recent story. Mm-hmm. Tamil first met her new neighbor, Michelle, after moving into their new home in Cummings. Tamil's boys were involved in everything from sports to after school activities, and being a boy mom was never easy. But she loved every moment of it. She was an active mom in school and in the community. She could be found regularly at various sports games, cheering on her sons. She was an incredible mom and loved to cook and take care of her family. She welcomed so many people into her life and into her heart. She was loved by everyone who knew her. And her vibrant personality touched the lives of so many. Tam liked going to the beach and dancing. Tam didn't spend many nights away from her boys, but whenever she did, she called frequently and made sure to pack snacks after cooking dinner. <laughs> like, yeah, she seems like she's such a she's such a mom. Like she she just is so she loves her kids. This is sad. 
the night of Saturday, I don't know, the third, I think, I'm sorry, I don't know why I said the night of Saturday, like, that was a really weird statement, but, <laughs> um, that Saturday night is probably what I was trying to say, guys. <laughs> Tam and a few other football moms planned on celebrating the end of the football season. And it was one of the moms' birthday, Jean Myers. She was turning 45, and the group of about nine other ladies decided to celebrate by having an adult lady sleepover. The party started around 7 p.m., but that night Tam was making dinner for her family. Her friend Michelle stopped by, so they chatted about things. Tim told Michelle that she was going to the sleepover and even invited Michelle to tag along. Michelle was like, nah, declined that, uh, saying that those weren't her type of people. I mean, respectfully. Mm. They continued chatting and laughing, I'm sure, about how she wasn't going. Right, <laughs> yeah, right. She made sure her boys were good and situated before leaving to the party. And she arrived fashionably late around 8.30, toting her imported tequila. You know, it was a BYOB type of party. And she liked her nicer drinks, not them damn wine coolers that, you know, the bitches was drinking. So she brought what she wanted to drink, like the rest of them bitches did. You know, they brought what they wanted to drink. Yeah, and... I think that that like this whole section right here is just like reminisce with me so much because it's like making sure every the, the home is good before you get to go out and enjoy yourself. And then, you know, she's probably excited about going out. Yep. These are different people. She's trying to kind of like expand her her horizons, have a good time. Right. And like even her friends like, eh. I don't know about all that. I don't uh, know about them. I yeah. ain't going. I and she's going. like, you know, I'm going to give them a try. Like, I'm trying to have a good time. I'm ready for a night out. So it's like, I feel her on this this part. And that's why I hate this for her. Right. And I mean, and I just hate how they keep making the the imported tequila that, that she brought her own alcohol. Like, it's a crazy out of the way thing. Like, when I, I go to tequila. when I go drink. I'd bring my own alcohol. Yeah. When I go anywhere and I want to drink, I bring my own Mountain Dew normally. Yeah. So what the fuck does that mean? Yeah, like, I'm sorry. And all the women brought their own drinks. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? So, like, they they keep making that a big point. Like, she drank all this tequila, but that was her normal type of drink anyway. So she drank that on the reg. It's not like that was her first time drinking this tequila. She liked that tequila. Right. So it wasn't like she she was used to it. Her her tolerance was used to it. Exactly. According, though, to reports from the guests at the party that night, they watched football, played some cards against humanity, and drank heavily. Which, I mean, that's all a matter of perspective. I don't drink much, so, I mean, I would be way more drunk than someone who drinks all the time. Right. So, like, I mean... Personally, I could take probably like five, six shots and I'd be done. Yeah, sick. I mean, somebody else could probably take 25 shots. No, don't raise your hand because you're not doing that. (laughs) Me, on the other hand, I could probably probably take like 10 and I'm good. So it's just like, you know, there is a difference of... Tolerance and all that, you know. I I don't drink like that. Right. Whatever. So who, yeah, you can't be like... who's to say... 
What the fuck is this cat doing? <laughs> he had to go. He was in a hurry. Oh my He's gosh. late for an imp- a very important date. <laughs> go. <laughs> but, you know, everyone they say at the party was in good spirits. In a YouTube video I watched, I think actually you caught some of it too. Uh, it was pretty good. It, it was called What Really Happened to Tamla Horsford by Danielle Holland. She explained, you know, Tamla was not like me, really. She had a pretty high tolerance to alcohol, so she was able to handle her liquor, and she was used to her drink. So, you know, I would say she probably knew her limit, and she would have been, you know, done when she was done. She knew her limit. Come on. When you drink a little bit, you know your limit. Not you're grown. Only, yeah, I was going to say, not only that, like like you said, you're you're grown. I feel like you, you know how to, most people know how to handle, handle themselves. Especially if you have this imported tequila you brought, you drink all the time. You know how much you're, you're going to drink till you get drunk. Yep. Like, yep. Come on. Most of the women at the party, though, um, Tam knew through football. And for some reason, the girls' party... Had a couple men there also. Weird, right? Jose Barrera. He uh, was the homeowner. John, I think is how she says it. John, uh, she was her boyfriend. He was her boyfriend. And Thomas Smith, he was one of the other guests' husbands. They were there in the basement watching the game together while the ladies partied upstairs. That was until Snacks were made and eventually they merged with the ladies and now so like initially they were not supposed to be there right like that was the originally it was a it was a girl's party a girl's yeah. sleepover yeah and so then that they and then they there. were there in general yeah so and super odd in the basement and then they came and merged with the party so. well okay but to be the devil's advocate I know you, I know, like, if I'm having a girl's night and you're like, I don't want to go out, can I just go and chill in the bedroom and just, like, chill? So, like, I can see that aspect, you know? And, like, oh, oh, let me go out to the kitchen because I'm kind of hungry. Let me see what's out here. So, it's like, okay. Like, I could see where that's not huge red flags for me. Right, right. But the other girl bringing her husband... Yeah. And then in another thing I heard, and I don't know if I wrote this in, but another thing I heard later that that guy or that the husbands were swingers. Oh, wow. So, I mean, maybe I wrote that in there because I think I wrote a little bit about that. So maybe I'll get to it. But I did read somewhere that the husbands that they brought were swingers or something like wow. that. Interesting. So it was a, it was a, I think a conspiracy or something, maybe it was. I allegedly, I'm not saying I personally know them people. I don't know. I just randomly thought about the about you and being a homebody yourself. No, you're right. You're right. Like I said, I get it. I can see that aspect, but bringing another person and all that, that's a lot. Yeah. You had to bring your husband, ma'am. No, goodbye. Um, But like I said, you know, they were partied you know, downstairs until they merged with the ladies when the snacks came through. So, periodically, throughout the night, Tim would go out and take some smoke breaks since she was a smoker, you know, like me. I smoked black mobs. I was taking 700. So, it started, you know, getting later and things started winding down around 1130-ish, I guess. 
two of the guests leave because um, they don't have babysitters. Or one, I guess, reported that she didn't have a dog sitter. Because, yeah, a dog sitter. Probably meant, like, I'm just trying to go home at this point. I mean, uh, an excuse, but a dog sitter? Come on. <laughs> Ma'am. Around 1, 1 a.m., people start going off to bed, and they say Tim wasn't ready to go to bed and wanted to hang out and stay up. You hear me say, they say. So I don't know what really happened, but they say that Tam wanted to hang out still. So now in the same YouTube video, she says multiple people actually say that Tam tells them that she wants to go home. So is she wanting to stay up and hang out or is she wanting to go home? Wow. Yeah, that that's, it's a, that's huge. It's a conflicting story. And then my thing is, I mean, she's drunk, but why wouldn't you let her call her husband and go home? Yeah, that that makes me feel very uneasy. And um where's her phone at? Thank you. Why is she not able to I I mean, I know she's drunk. She shouldn't right. drive. We're all all that drunk driving. No, no, no. You get that, but Uber. No, husband. I'm just saying where where was the Oldest child. Where was the de-escalation for this? That's all I'm saying. Somebody that's not drunk take her home. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, that's just me, but, you know. So you're telling me that some people are like, she's like, turn up still, and then the other people are like, she's like. I want to go home. Yeah. Like, excuse me, how's that even make sense? So which one is it? (laughs) But reports say that Jean and Jose went to bed around 1.30 a.m. So mind you, in this time, the, the time changed. I'm going to go back here because uh, the time changed on this day. Oh, so that's this, awkward. So this is going to be a horrible, horrible like time kind of thing here because you got to keep in mind the time changes. And it was November, so the time was set back an hour. Mm-hmm. But the time changes at what time? 2 a.m. Uh-huh. And it goes back to 1 a.m., mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So... Here's the here's the thing. I mean, it could have been around technically 2 a.m. So it could have been the second 1 a.m. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because the time changed back. When it went to 2, it went back to 1. Okay. So you know what I mean? How, so how's the timing relate, relate back into But this? Because they reported that they went to bed at 1.30. Okay. And Tim and Bridget, Bridget was another woman at the party. They were still up. And Bridget actually left and went home at 1.47. Okay. So why was she able to go home and Tam wasn't? I don't know. But we'll, we'll move on. But it was reported that, you know, they spoke about Bridget going home, Tam smoking another cigarette and going to bed for the night. John, the homeowner, had that Xfinity shit that sends you notifications when the door opens and closes. So... About two minutes later, there's a notification showing, you know, um, the back door actually opening. So, 147, Bridget leaves, and it shows on the door. 149, the back door opens. 150, the back door closes. So, So, this was, you know, the place Tam had been smoking all night, where that back door patio was. Right. And... From here, we kind of have to go by assumption because from what reports, you know, say now, Tam is all alone. 
and no one else is actually awake at the party with her. The strange thing is, to me, is that claims say that everyone went to bed, but the screenshot shows the garage door opening at 1.39 and closing at 1.40 and opening again at 1.40. So seven minutes before Bridget left and nine minutes before Tam went to the balcony. Wow. Wow. So, also, you know, if Tam went out to smoke at one f- and came back in, at, I'm sorry, no. If Tam went out to smoke at 149 and shut the door at 150 it's, and came back in, uh, the door was opened again at 157. So, my question here is at 157, was she coming back in? Or was that somebody else coming from the garage? Was Tam finishing her cigarette seven minutes later? Or was another party goer or someone else awake that just came in from the open garage? Hmm. That does not show closing at all anywhere in the screenshot. This shows the last time it was open at 147 minutes, like I said, before wow. Tabitha. Was her name Tabitha? Mm-hmm. Before Bridget, Bridget. sorry. Mm-hmm. Before Bridget left. And nine minutes before she went out to smoke. So who the fuck came in that garage door and left it open? These are questions that need fucking flat out answers oh right now. Oh my god, yes. Another strange thing, um, on the same note, is the door was also opened at 410. So reports say that a party goer, Marcy Harden whose um, interview was a little strange. Um, She left at that time, right? So they say she left at 4.10 because she had to go to work. Like, okay, who the fuck was that? I I don't know if that really was her leaving to go to work. I need a better explanation for these notifications because... I couldn't find any time card confirmations or witnesses confirming the fact that she left and went home or went to work at this time. Court documents also say at 7.45, a guest, Paula Seals, leaves the home. At 8.30, Tom and Stacy also leave. 8.30 in the morning. Now, here's where the weird thing to me is. The court documents show everything as time stamped by Arlo. Which, with a little like Googling, Arlo is an automation company. They make wireless surveillance cameras. Arlo is a brand of Netgear, you know, like the old internet provider Netgear. Mm -hmm. So, you know, take this information and do what you please. But the timestamps, sorry, in the timestamps, they only show a few of them as timestamps by Arlo. A few of them they show just as a timestamp, as a general like one thirty time. Like, how does that even make sense? I will post those those screenshots. Hold on. That is absolutely mind blowing. I want you to justify every single time that door was open and closed, and I want to know. I just and, uh. And that was in the official police report document. So it shows in the official police documents, Bridget Fuller left, last person to see the victim alive, alone downstairs at 
hours 147, timestamp Arlo. 149, back door open, timestamp Arlo. 150, back door closed, timestamp Arlo. 157, back door open, timestamp Arlo. 410, Marcy Harding lift, had to go to work, timestamp by Arlo. 745, Paula Seals left. 830, Tom and Stacy left. 845, approximately that time, the victim was observed in the backyard by Madeline Lombardi. So, why aren't one, two, three of those time stamped by Arlo? Right. The same security system here. What's right. going on? Because if if you have a if you have a security system, you should have the exact time, not a general time of when they walked out that door. They would have had to go out another door to go outside to her. <clears throat> if you guys don't see that this has corruption written all over it, um, just wait. There's a there's so much, and um, I just he I, I don't he was a former. He was a probation officer, former something in law enforcement. So I'm, I'm gonna get that, to it. He was, yeah. he was, um, a I'm court, sorry. something in the court. Yeah, just keep that in mind though. He worked closely, so yes, he was, he worked with the court system. And but go back here in Marin, Mary Harding's police interview, she stated that her and the drunk friend. That she took to the bed around 11, and Jose actually came in and hooked the TV up and uh, left after he hooked the TV up. She said she could still hear the TV on and the people in the living room, you know, having fun basically still, as they would at, at a party. Because who goes to bed at 11 at somebody else's house? That's what I was thinking. Like, you guys are boring. It's like, I get you guys are older, but like... If you guys are having this rip roar and party, eleven o'clock, really? Why would you go to? Why would you go if you have to go to work in the morning? Yeah. So, she said they went to sleep, and the door did not get open until she left for work the next morning. She said when she got up the the next morning, the lights were on in the living room and the kitchen. The TV was still on. She also stated that no one was in the living room. And that she could see the balcony door, it did not look open to her. So that she, you know, could tell. She couldn't tell it was open. But she said that, you know, she just got her person left. Marcy said it was it was five something in the morning when she left because she set an alarm because she had to go to work. So they deduced it was due to the time change and the security system not being updated. And reflecting the correct time. So, pause. Look at these screenshots. What are these screenshots? They literally are saying the exact same times. These, time, like, these are notifications on your phone. Like, sir, like, what year is it? That's not how a phone notification works. And not a phone only that, like, The phone updates automatically with yes. the time change. What year and then, is it? And then it's auto showing you what times... The timestamp is on the system and when you're getting the notification. They're the same time. The time on the system is updated. Like, sir, are you dumb? Updated. Idiot. Fucking idiot. So how do you deduce that? I don't... 
I don't know. Like I said, I call bullshit on that as well because the screenshots just show, you know, the, the, the phone notifications. And if Marcy's fucking time on her phone updated, then why the fuck wouldn't, wouldn't John's phone notifications update on her phone? Like, that's not how phones work. Yeah, I just, that that's complete bullshit. Anyway. Things don't add up, man. Things just fucking don't add up. Yeah. Also, in the interview, the detective asked questions like, did you push Tamala off the balcony? Marcy becomes defensive and says, this has been traumatic for everyone involved because your wife, mother, daughter died. So, like, what a bitch. What, then, you know, something else that rubbed me the wrong way, the detective goes on to say, we're just trying to get closure here for everyone so that this can stop. Like, everybody? I hope that you mean her fucking husband, Lee, or her father, Kurt, or fucking children. Like, fuck them bitches in the interview. What do you mean, everybody? The trauma they've been put through. What the fuck? I don't even sorry, understand. So, sorry to slightly inconvenience you that someone lost their life. Like, get the fuck out of here. You You scream guilt. And cover up. So, now, this is where the story picks back up. You know, when John's aunt wakes up for the, for the morning, you know, she gets up at 8.30. Mm-hmm. So, 8.30 is the same time as uh, Tim and his wife left, correct? Tom, sorry. Tom and Stacy Smith left. Mm-hmm. 8.30. And she starts making coffee in her room sometime between then and 8.45. So 8.45, she sees out her window on the ground in the backyard, Tamala, and her Dalmatian onesie that she was wearing. And sorry, she knew it wasn't a dream. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. So, you know, instead of going out to check and see, you know, if she's okay or hell, simply screaming and pointing... She went on upstairs to get her niece, Jean. So Jean and Jose got dressed, went downstairs, called 911 at 8.59. Wow. Okay. Which, you know, I thought about playing the 911 call like you've seen. I'm, I even pulled up a part of it. I'm, I'm not going to do it because it's on, on YouTube. I mean, you can go pull it up. Um, and I'll link it. But... It's almost eight minutes, and I don't, I don't think I'm gonna play any part of that because I don't, you know, I don't want to feel like you know I'm cropping the the sounds and wanting you to follow it in any type of direction. Go listen to it how you want to listen to it, basically, and you know, find the discrepancies where you find the discrepancies. But what I am gonna say about the nine one one call is, you know, the call's not adding up to what the actions. That were reported in the case. John starts the call. She, you know, is with the 911 operator. She starts by telling them that, you know, they had a party. One of the guests has fell off the balcony. And she isn't breathing and that she's stiff. So, we're going to lead the 911 investigators to a conclusion just off the jump. I, I don't like that. Right. You know, because, like I said, we're planting that image in somebody's mind that what took place. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, she, she was asked, you know, is, is she still breathing? She says, I don't know. Then Jose took over the phone call. Like, what? Like, okay. 
Like, bitch, you're not saying what you need to say. Give me the phone. Type of so, he, he takes over the phone and, you know, first off, they're like, hey, hey, I, I'm I'm off put by that. And super cash. Like, yeah. Like, they just go back. Hey, this is Jose. Hey, hey. Um, but he says, you know, she's not moving one bit. She's not breathing. I just tried to assess her. She is completely face down in the yard and she's stiff. How can you assess somebody that is completely face down? The operator asks if he sees any blood and he says, I don't know. Should I move her? She's completely face down. Then the operator says, if you, if you know she's not breathing, then you can leave her where she's at, which I thought was weird because a second ago he was very confident that she wasn't breathing and that she was stiff. So what you don't it? know or is she, what, what, what's going on? Lies. Then they blank the call out for a moment and I thought I was tripping because I'm like, why is it silent? And no, they blank the call out. Maybe it was to protect something, but why would it be protected if it's the if if you know the case, you know the outcome of the case. Mm-hmm. So why would it be protected if it's concluded? Obviously have something to hide, but go ahead. Okay. So Jose is, you know, giving a description of Tam to the 911 operator. And Jose states in the 911 call that there are cameras on the back deck. So they could check those tapes to find out what happened. The operator doesn't stop him and say, no, let the officers do that. Nothing. You know, so this just goes to show you that they were not taking this death as anything more than an accident. Like Jean originally said, Jose also stated the last time that he saw Tim was around one in the morning in the kitchen before he went to bed and that she was the only one in the kitchen. So they was probably the last two in interaction together. So if she was the only one in the kitchen, where was Bridget at this time? Because Bridget didn't leave until 147. Right. Remember, the time changes and goes back to one o'clock. So maybe that's why I said this could come in to play with the time change Mm -hmm. in here. This little bit of one o'clock to two o'clock time-ish. Right. Not all that other bullshit they're saying where the phone, the phone updates. That's all bullshit. That doesn't even, that doesn't even make sense. Right. That completely sounds like an ignorant And I worked for Verizon, so I know that the phone automatically fucking time adjusts when the time updates. We all have a cell phone. We, you know what I mean? Like, we all know how that works. Come on. So, like I said, you know. Things didn't add up, but police arrived on the scene 9.07, eight minutes after the 911 call, so pretty quickly. Paramedics also showed up, but Officer, I'm going to say Officer Corey Moore, his name, Officer Corey Moore, he just sent him away because, you know, he's the one who can make the decision to say that she's dead and that they don't, she, she doesn't need any help. He's a coroner, right? Like, what the fuck? He cannot make that call. But, you know, Jose was also trained in CPR, but he didn't attempt to resuscitate Tamla either. Well, no. Neither did the officers, no one. And Tam was pronounced dead at the scene two hours later. Wow. Was like, did anyone try? Two hours did later. Did anyone try? So, I mean, even if she would have been passed, you know, 
they didn't attempt to resuscitate, you know, any of that, but they waited till someone else could come in two hours later to pronounce her dead. That's so fucked. Jose, you know, told the police that he found an unlit cigarette and a lighter on the upper deck, which I have to ask why she would have another unlit cigarette and a lighter to smoke again after she had just smoked a cigarette. You know, I don't know. I mean, I may, I, you know, she may needed it. She may needed another one just because she was drunk. Like you said, she may need another cigarette. I'd probably need another black and mild and then another one and then another. Right. Like I said, 10 if I was drunk. Yeah. So police, you know, basically just concluded that Tam had died uh, in an accidental fall and found no evidence to suggest foul play. Like, excuse me. So basically that's just what they told you and you were just like, okay, sounds good. Yes, that's exactly what happened. Like, wow. Can can we do our job and, like, investigate the whole thing? And, like, I can't. Lee, Tam's husband, uh, said authorities initially told him that Tam had tripped over some garden edging and suffered a fatal injury. Not even about the balcony. Just she suffered, a, she fell over something in the garden and fe- and died. Okay. Now... This is where the police, like I said, did not do a great job investigating. They didn't do a good job preserving evidence because they're letting leave. I'm not sorry. They're letting Jose pick up unlit cigarettes and shit. Police didn't, you know, they didn't try and collect any potential evidence like fingerprints, the security footage um, that was installed at John's home. They didn't immediately check that. And, you know, when when they were checked. By Jean, not the police. Like, what the fuck? Okay, yeah, we trust you, buddy. That night, that conveniently was not available. Somehow, <laughs> it didn't record, or it deleted, or I heard one time that it the camera didn't have batteries. Like, what? You're lying. This, you lying sack of shit. This, all of you. You're all in on it, I feel like, at this point, you know. This was very unclear about what really happened to the camera. Like, they just bypassed it the officer's official statement is like literally two paragraphs uh which mostly is about like his walking path through the house there was something that sticks out to me that you know was about the way the officer reported how tam was found now initially jean and jose claimed that tam was found face down with both her arms down to her side both of them Jean even goes far as far later to say both arms were down to her side, and that's, the, and that's why I know it's those two women that are saying it. So I don't know what they were talking about. It was in an interview, but she said that both of her arms were down to her side, so she didn't know why both of the women were saying it because they spoke to detectives, and her arms. Her arm was up here in a position to brace itself. It was not because that image is burned in my head because the best way I could phrase it almost looked like she face planted because I'm like, I'd never imagine someone landing with their toes pointed and her hands perfectly by her side. Like all my stuff is based on law and order and so it's not a good reference point, but I was just shocked at how she was lying. 
So that was an official report, um, you know, that she had in an interview, you know, with with a reporter. Like, she was talking about someone else, you know, how they were saying that her arm was in a different position and how her body was found. But she's saying, no, that's not how it was. Yeah, so, and which I feel like is really, really crazy information because if you think about yourself just falling, you're going to try to put your arm up or you're going to try to like help yourself brace that fall and if your arms were completely beside yourself then maybe she was already gone before they even pushed her off of there or before she fell before she fell off of there so yeah that's that's definitely a, a, a key part of the evidence there so the official report it does state that the officers found Tam in a prone position with her legs extended straight. So her legs were still the same. The report also claims that her left arm was along her body and bent at an obtuse angle at the elbow, placing the hand away from her body, and the right arm was extended down to her side. They sketched a little doodle, and it'll be on the socials too, but my question is... Who the fuck moved her arm, guys? Yeah, that, that's what it is. And I think that they were like, we need to make this look more believable. Let's stage her body better. Let's make this look more like a fall. Um, yeah, I definitely believe it. They moved her fucking body. I, I believe that, too. Someone did. Yeah. I don't know who did it. Someone yeah. did it. Yep. My they, theory. They examined her again, you know, um... Around 11.05 after calling, you know, all the people back from the the party that had left the night prior. The police, you know, grouped the people in two groups. Like, excuse me, that's not how you police, but okay. The group that was still at the home, they stayed inside the home awaiting, you know, directive from the deputies. The other group was the people who left the party. They were kept outside, away from the group that was still there. Like I said, I'm not an officer, but the law and order I've seen, you're supposed to split them motherfuckers up. Right, getting mm-hmm. their stories together, you know. Exactly. So they don't have time to coordinate a fucking story together. But who the fuck am I? I don't work for the Forsyth County Sheriff's Department. And not only that, honestly, I feel like maybe it might go deeper than that. They probably already had their plan together but that night. Exactly. Something was fishy. Mm-hmm. So I did want to read um, straight from the report, you know, the crime scene report here. Uh, it says the descendant was examined for po- postmortem changes at approximately 11.05 hours. Rigor was present. Loose in the small joints and appropriate for current position. Lividity was present, blanched with pressure, and was appropriate for the current position. The body was cold to the touch. A red color substance, visually similar to that of blood, was observed on the cuff of the right sleeve, as well as on the shin area of the right pant leg. The stains were photographically documented with a scale a protrusion within the right wrist on the owner side 
was observed and photographically documented. A break in the skin also on the owner's side of the right wrist. So the inside. On, so everything on that right side of that body, something happened. Was observed and photographically documented with the scale. A laceration was observed on the right shin and photographically documented. A linear contusion on the left shin was observed. A small abrasion was observed on the interior of the left wrist. So... Could all of this correlate with a fall? So, they go back and they measure the deck. The deck measures ground level to the top of the rail. 14 feet and 10 and a half inches. 14 feet. So, like, an, a ladder and a little bit higher than that. Like a 12-foot ladder. Okay. So, you could fall from that and maybe break your ankle. Break your neck. Something like if that. If you fall straight on it. Okay. So, yes. Um, they go on, you know, in the in the report to say what they found in, in her bag. They mentioned in her bag, you know, they had her, her wallet. A clear plastic bag containing green leafy material which was con- collected for destruction <laughs> for, for consumption <laughs> right <laughs> within the black wallet of florida's driver's license a bank statement and a dollar u.s currency same <laughs> were observed in the bar area located the dinette the resident had a blue and color bottle labeled contained tequila it was stated by the residents that the bottle was brought to the resident by the descendant and that the descendant was the only individual known to have consumed the liquid within. The bottle was observed to be approximately one-eighth full. The bottle was taken into possession of the coroner and transported with the body to the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. The scene was departed approximately 11.42. So, yeah, that's what I was wondering. I'm like, so I wonder if they ever tested the alcohol in this bottle or... They never ever did a... Well, we'll get to that. Yeah, never. Yeah. I'm sure they didn't. Right. Police interview all the witnesses at the home that night. They, you know, everyone said Tamla was happy. She was the life of the party. Everybody, like, how do you all coordinate this story? Probably because you're in groups. But other than, you know, their team losing, everyone was in good spirits. Or probably because it was the damn truth. She probably was the life of the party and they were fucking jealous. So, hey. I'm going to call it like I see it. it. Preach it. They going to say there was no arguments or conflicts that were reported. But in a couple things I found... um. You know, they may not necessarily be true. I don't know. I wasn't there. But in an interview with Marcy specifically, she referenced Jose and Tam having some conflicts about weed. She said Jose said something like, don't be bringing that shit around here. Yeah. That's a direct quote. Don't be bringing that shit around here. Like, sir, you, you have an anger obsession about weed? Yeah. Like, what is it? I mean, honestly, she probably was like, okay, sir, you are creepy. 
so. In another report, you know, they reported the same thing, basically. So, Tam did, in fact, have weed on her that night, the green leafy substance. Mm-hmm. They they consumed. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, you know, hell, every I have weed on me every night. I don't know what to tell you. I, I don't know. If I, was, if I was her, I'd be smoking weed at her party. I don't know about her, yeah, but think, I would have. You think maybe she just, like, laughed it off, like... <laughs> Okay, <laughs> that would have been a... Not me, right. I would have been, all right. Yeah, I mean, it's another thought, too. Could she have maybe uh, went out there and thought she was alone and maybe was smoking the... some reefer and he got upset and, I mean, he was really adamant that he did not want her smoking and, you know, when you're an adamant smoker, you can't really just take not no smoke. for an answer. Like, And then don't smoke before you go to bed. That sounds like... <laughs> Fucking pits, bro. So, I mean, that I sounds def- like the ghetto. Don't smoke before you go to bed. So I can definitely see maybe that that theory. And then she, so you know, like I said, I have weed on me every night. I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know if she was smoking at the home. You know, that's if that's what caused the disagreement or not. But you know, words were obviously said about Jose feel, feeling about weed. You know. Because clearly, Marcy had a comment to say about it. Mm-hmm. Enough to make somebody else uncomfortable. Right. Like. Before, you know, the autopsy results were complete, speculation of foul play had already begun. And rumors started swirling. About two months after Jose Barrera was fired from his job at Forsyth County Court Officer. So, like I said before, he was a court officer. He was fired for accessing documents uh, for the incident report internally on multiple occasions. So he was looking up, you know, no, 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 sir, you can't. Do personal that. documents about the case for Tamla before anything was released. So, so wait, multiple so times. So this man went to multiple work multiple times and was like, "Let me go ahead and look up Tamla real quick make on the on the clock. Make sure that they ain't got nothing." Nothing too uh, incriminating. And then they're like, sir, you, you can't do that. On the clock. While he's on the clock, too. So he couldn't even say I did it while I was off the clock. And it was my own free time. Because, I mean, it was, you know, probably something that wasn't illegal for him to even have done. I know, Because, really. I mean, he was a court officer. He was, yeah. Sir, you have access to incident reports, I'm sure, internally. So I'm sure you could have done that, but I'm sure you were a little too close to that situation to have looked it up. You should, you knew better, motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. You knew goddamn better. You shouldn't have did that shit. Yeah. So, you know, when he did this, hundreds of people were sharing. I was one of them. Hundreds of people were sharing Tam's story with the hashtag Tamala Horsford, questioning different angles of the case and calling for justice. Like I said, I was one of them. Yep, for sure. And still am. All the time. That's what the this title's going to be. Hashtag justice for Tamala. Yes. The autopsy was released February 5th, 2019. In the findings, they noted her shoulder, her chest had no scars or injuries, that her nasal bone was intact. Now, I'm no expert. But yes, you are. I would think if someone jumped, fell, something like that, 14 feet, 
they would at least have a broken nose. They fell directly on their face. Broken nose, at least, I'm assuming. Face. Her poor face. Wouldn't you think? No, not think. I would. I feel like I would know. Her poor face would have been bruised. Her nose would have been... At the very least, her face would have been bruised. That Well, the autopsy did note Tam had some small superficial abrasions on the right side of her forehead. Small. On, on the left upper eyelid. On the bridge of her nose. On her right temple. Her chin. Now, how do you have it on your right temple if you fell directly face first? But who am I? She also had a fracture in her second cervical vertebrae. So, I want... Everybody needs some of that sonic cherry limeade that you... Had there? Is it is it tasty? <sighs> Sponsors. <laughs> so, the most common cause of that cer- cervical vertebrae, the C two, which was called the hangman's fracture. This trauma is most common caused by a motor vehicle accident, falls. Penetrating or blunt trauma, sports-related or diving in injuries. There can also be non-traumatic causes, actually. Um, you know, like compressed fractures from osteoporosis, arthritis, cancer, inflammation of spinal cord, which all sounds terrible, too. Yeah. So, you know, but a fall was on that list, guys. So, I mean, I can't, I don't know, but... Personally, I don't, I I would think you would need to fall and hit the back of your head or something to make your C2 vertebrae. But even then, her her face wasn't really even that bruised. Like I said, and her nose wasn't. And that vertebrae, for some that don't know, is like that very base of your neck, so. Sorry, I didn't say that. No, it's okay. I mean, some people don't, I mean, that is the part of my neck that hurts so bad every day all the time and i wish i could pop it but not in a way that would hurt me it would break my neck yeah but anyway yeah that looks like such an awful part to snap and break um so that what's that what is what makes me think um that may be you know something happened and then face first and it breaks that part of your neck and you don't have that Many facial injuries. Well, that's my point. I think she was killed prior. I mean, and I, then pushed I, I, as an attempt of a cover up. But, something. But that's just me. So how she got that neck injury, I don't believe was probably from the fall. Maybe it was from you know whatever occurred before that. So it was also determined she had blunt force injuries to the torso and extremities. So, like, her hands and stuff. But they were also lacerations on the right ventricle of her heart. And her wrist, like I said, was dislocated. And there was also a one-inch laceration in her wrist. So, I don't know if, like, it was just a superficial cut. Because it was a one-inch laceration. 
or if it was like a bone protruding, but he didn't state that it was a bone protruding from her wrist. I feel like that's something the coroner would have stated. Right. Or if it was legitimately like a cut, like a wound. Right. How vague that statement was. I don't know. Corruption. So I don't know, you know, if that was, like I said, from the fall or what, because, you know, from police reports, this, this does not add up, you know, again. Like I said, why would her right arm have all the damage here and not her left arm since they're claiming her left arm is the one that was found obtuse and not by her side? So, you know, the autopsy report shows a small amount of THC in Tam's system. Because, uh, who doesn't? Which I always, like I said, hate because when that gets thrown out there like it's a huge problem, I smoke daily i mean for anybody who's working with me and you didn't know i smoke daily and i function better when i smoke and if i haven't smoked you could probably tell when i need to so um it's definitely something that people use for medicinal purposes i mean it's amazing and so i hate i'm with you i hate when people want to throw that out like oh she was on it so taboo Right. Let's move on from, you know, that whole thing. This reefer madness shit. Get out of here. The bigger thing to me is, you know, her alcohol level. It was at 0.238 grams, you know, which is three times the legal limit to drive. So the alcohol, you know, that will fuck you up way more than any blunt joint bowl dab ever fucking will. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, she was, she's feeling it. They also found a tiny amount of, like, literally lower than the lowest caliber of 25 micrograms. Like, literally the tiniest amount. Less than what could be calibrated, guys. Of, al how do you say this? Alprazolam? Yep. Because, you know, I don't know how to say medical words. Mm -hmm. Alprazolam, right? Yep. That's a controlled substance, if you didn't know, and it's like a generic for Xanax. So, so what you're saying is that it's it was such a small amount that it wasn't something that she would have been prescribed, that she would have been able to just take. It would have had to have been... No, I'm saying it's such a small amount that it wasn't able to be calibrated on their system. So it was that tiny of a dose. Yeah, which is still saying what I'm saying. Like, what the fuck? Did somebody drug her? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it could be a tiny... You know, Xanax will mm-hmm. fuck you up. Especially when you're drinking. Yeah, it will fuck you up. Like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And she was drunk, so yeah. Xanax will fuck you up. Yeah. It, like I said, Xanax, it's treated for anxiety, panic disorders. You know, the side effects can cause paranoid or suicidal ideas. It can impair memory, judgment, and coordination. So, it can get you off balance. Combining that with the other substances, particularly, like you said, alcohol, Mm -hmm. that can slow breathing and possibly lead to death. So now, Tam, like you said, she wasn't prescribed this medicine by a doctor. In fact, it was reported she was on no medicines at all. But somebody was trying to get her fucked up. Something. Something. I don't. Who had the Xanax? Let's who say. who prescri- who got prescribed Xanax in that in that group? Mm. Can mm, we do mm, that mm. research? Who who had that? And that mm. would be amazing, right? Just wait. Just wait, okay. baby. Just wait. Okay. So I gotta um 
you know, another part of actually the coroner's report here a little bit. I want to summarize in his opinion. I want to read that direct because I don't want you guys to think that's that's my summarized opinion of what he said. This is his direct opinion in summary. So, quote, the descendant is a 40 year old woman per report. She was last known to be alive shortly after midnight on November 4th, 2018. At the time, she was drinking heavily at a party in a residence. The next morning, she was discovered unresponsive in the backyard under a deck that is approximately 10 to 15 feet from the ground. It appeared as though she may have fallen from the deck. She was pronounced dead without attempted resuscitation. Autopsy revealed severe injuries of the head, neck, and torso, including subarc. Sub mm. So, if you know, I don't know how to say, you know, I don't know what it is. Subarthroid hemorrhage, a hemorrhage, damn it, a subdural hemorrhage, and a fracture to the second verte cervical vertebrae, and a laceration of the heart. Other injuries included abrasions of the face, left arm, left hand, and left leg, lacerations of the right wrist and right leg, and a dislocated right wrist. Postmortem toxicology was positive for THC, a blood alcohol concentrate of 0.238 grams. The observed injuries are consistent with those of a received in a fall. In light of the autopsy findings and investigation information, the cause of death is multiple blunt force injuries and the manner of death is accident. So wait. Multiple blunt force injuries. How do you have multiple blunt from force injuries fall. from one fall? I mean, I could see you having multiple injuries, but multiple blunt force injuries... I, I don't know. Like, this, this case is so fucked because, like, I just, it just seems so bad. So they're basically trying to say that she likely died from falling off the balcony due to acute ethanol intoxication. When her body was sent for autopsy, only a handful of autopsy photos were taken by the medical examiner. Weird. Mm -hmm. A second autopsy requested by her family revealed further abrasions to her body. Oh, I'm sure, you know, good for her family. The family's attorney also stated that the lack of evidence, types of injuries discovered, and mismatch witness accounts strongly suggested homicide. Uh, yeah, because what the fuck? On February 20th, 2019... Major Joe Perkins of the Forsyth County Sheriff's Office announced that the case would be closed and that there was no evidence of foul play, saying it was a party, they were drinking, she was drinking, most of the partygoers had gone to bed that, that time, and she was on the deck alone. Okay. That's not an explanation of how she died at all. At all. Sir. That's, that's, that's what happened at the party. Yeah. They were drinking. She was drinking. It was a party. Mm -hmm. she, most of the party callers I went to bed. Yeah. 
She was on the deck alone, yeah, until one fifty, right? Or one, what was the time? Mm-hmm. One fifty. Anyway, go back and rewind it. You'll figure out the time. Damn it, my mind is on other parts of the case right now. Mm-hmm. June fifth to twenty twenty, Ralph E. Fernandez, the Horsford family attorney, he wrote a letter to Tamla's husband, claiming that his team. Investigation into the details of the case strongly suggested homicide. It said witness statements are in conflict. A potential subject handled the body as well as evidence prior to law enforcement arriving. Mm-hmm. Evidence was disposed of and no inquiry followed. The scene was not preserved. He also stated that Tam's injuries were consistent with those of a physical struggle. But that the absence of photos from the initial autopsy prevented a definite conclusion. Wow. Wow. A, a physical struggle. Like, like I'm saying, man. Thank you. Tim's name and case spread across the internet again, starting with protesters in Cummings, Georgia, who included her name on, on their signs alongside, you know, the names of black Americans killed by the police in recent years. Black Lives Matter. Yep. A change.org petition calling for the case to be reopened amassed more than 586,000 signatures. And rappers T.I., 50 Cent, shared posts about the case, asking for the second investigation. Yes, use your platform. Even though we don't love T.I. Yeah. 50 cent now he's one hilarious motherfucker i swear <laughs> i swear to god many men on june 12 2020 forsyth county sheriff ron freeman sent a letter requesting that the case be reopened and investigated by the gbi the georgia bureau of investigations so he stated that the investigation was best undertaken by an independent law enforcement agency and that the GBI agreed to reopen the case on June 18, 2020, but did not specify when the investigation would begin. Hmm. According to a supplemental report from the Forsyth County, uh, Jose Barrera admitted in a call with Lieutenant Andy Callen that the supplemental report essentially advised that Jose and contacted the investigator on November 7th of 2018 and advised that he had checked Horsford's left arm for a pulse. Hmm. So the arm that was down to her side, Mm -hmm. he checked it for a pulse. Mm. So... That was read in the second report in the in the GBI report here. So it continues to go on and say that. So um, Barrera did in fact move Horsford's left arm per investigator Cowan, but in an inv- interview with the GBI, GBI specialist agent Derek Glasgow, Jose denied moving Tamla's arm. The GBI confronted Jose with Cowan's report. He called it bullshit. He denied ever telling Callan that he'd moved Horsford's arm. He insisted that he hadn't moved her arm. There was no way I checked for a pulse, quote. So how did you know that? 
Mm, mm, mm. She's not breathing. She's stiff. Just stiff. Like, I can't. Like, excuse me, sir. Wow. Great job. So, the GBI also reported information about the relationship between Callan and Barrera, who worked together at the courthouse prior to Tamla's death. According to the statement, Callan gave GBI the ADA James Dunn had previously given Jose's cell phone number with the context of helping Barrera find a job with the FCSO. Mm, okay. Dunn told Callan that Barrera had recently been fired from his job with the state probation officer along with a female for lying. Hmm. Apparently about a relationship between the two. Hmm. Wow. Liar. Hmm. You're a fucking liar. So he's a cheetah. Hmm. Mm, and he, a liar. He, he's a cheetah and a liar. So Dunn said that while Barrera shouldn't have lied, he was a good guy and with a, quote, good reputation around the courthouse. Okay. Uh, that's, that's bullshit. It's, it's bullshit, sir. The GBI reported also revealed new details of concerns relating to the lead investigator from Forsyth County, Mike Christian. In October 2020, Christian resigned from the Forsyth County Sheriff's Office amid an internal affair investigation into alleged... (laughs) into allegations that Christian sent multiple women with whom he was having extramarital affairs, confidential information about his cases. Oh, wow. Good job. Like that's... Not even dick pics. Confidential like, information wh- about the cases, like, sir. Do you know them bitches? Like, we're probably getting that and like, uh, uh, okay, why are you... I don't need to know this. I don't care. <laughs> like, in a statement, you know, in 2021, January, Christian tried to defend himself saying that, you know... The women whose complaint triggered the IA investigation had been acting out of hurt. I am far from a perfect human, he told WSBC-TV in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. I chose to end a long-term extramarital relationship abruptly. This person, out of anger and hurt, chose to go to the Sheriff Freeman with a list of alleged misconducts on my part. In 2020 hindsight, I would not have resigned, but stayed for investigation and taken what punishment fitting up to termination. As is, the IA investigation lacks my side of the story and makes me out to be something I'm not. Not up to termination. (laughs) All the good I've done in 16 years of law enforcement is gone with this document. The IA investigation ultimately found him to have violated his oath of office and neglected his fucking duties. Like, duh, we don't give a Sir, fuck about you. Bye bye. What did you do for the office besides spill the fucking tea? And lie. You've told everybody the case information. Thank you. Mm, mm, mm. As part of their investigation, the GBI spoke to the two women who claimed to have been sent details, and in one case, photos of Horsford's case, according to these women. 
Christian exclusively referred to the deceased mother as, quote, porch lady. Wow. So first off, that's already a long, deep black hatred because the porch monkey. Yeah. Wow. You call her a porch lady. How rude and discriminating and awful. How dare you? You fucking dirtbag. In the GBI's report, one ex-girlfriend recalled Christian sharing the results of Horsford's toxicology report, as well as his suspicions that the body had been moved. So he even had suspicions and told a bitch that he had suspicions the body had been moved. Uh, Duh. Duh. Another woman interviewed by the GBI claimed that Christian sent her photos of Horsford's body at the crime scene. Shut up. And they have all that? That's crazy. The woman remembered Christian being obsessed with the case to a point of having a panic attack about it. Mm-hmm. Guilty. According to this ex-girlfriend, because he had multiple, Christian told her he believed the death was an accident but doubted Tamala fell from the balcony based on her injuries. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if it was an accident, why wouldn't you have just shown it as an accident as it happened? Exactly. Not as an, not as covering it up as a different type of accident. So, I don't believe that either. At sir. all. At all. I don't believe that either. You're giving us a line of bullshit right now to make yourself sound better. That woman, remember, Christian told her that he discovered calls between Barrera and Kaylin prior to the 911 call. What? So he called Officer Kaitlyn before the 911 call. Hmm. Remember, mm-hmm. they were woke up at 45. Yep. They called at 59. Where's the call records from that, sir? Mm-hmm. And suspected Kaitlyn had helped the partygoers come up with this story. Oh, I bet they did. According to the woman, Christian was worried he would go down with the officers who set the scene. Hmm. Set the scene. If there was evidence of calls between Kaylin and Barrera, the GBI didn't find it. Mm-hmm. I wonder why. Right. In fact, records of for Barrera's cell phone turned up nothing between 12 a.m. and 10 a.m. The day Horsford died. Because they said he called from John's phone. Mm. When the GBI clarified, Verizon confirmed that Barrera had not used the network during those times. Both Barrera and Kalen denied any communication about the death prior to the 911 call. So my whole thing is there's multiple ways he could have called him. House phone, he could have called him from a different cell phone. He could have called him from a phone app. Anything. Anything. Wi-Fi calling, that wouldn't have been on his network. He could have just deleted it. Like, cut the fuck out of here. But he's such a fucking idiot, he can't figure it out that his phone's not going to lag when the time changes. Like, okay. <laughs> like, I just doubt it. So, three screenshots um, of Snapchat messages that Christian sent to his girlfriends were obtained by the GBI. In a message sent the morning of November 4th, the morning of November 4th, Christian appears to joke about notifying Tamala's husband of her death. Quote, hello, sir. I know you've never met me, but 
but I'm here to tell you that your wife and mother of your six children is dead. Oh yes, I'm happy to report that she was really, really drunk, tripped, landed face down in the backyard. And I know you have fun memories. Enjoy corralling these six boys who are now going ape shit. Unquote. Wow. You fucking dirtbag. You piece of shit. You burn in hell. In a message from November 19th, so what, about 15 days after, two weeks or so, Christian types greetings from racist cracker bastard m- murder cover up, covering up land. How are you today? Okay. He continues, it's a nice rainy day for digging shallow graves by the roadside. In this context, Ralph Fernandez, the Horsford family lawyer, believes Graves is referencing Michelle Graves, a friend of Horsford who's particularly critical of the investigation. Wow, that gives me like cold chills. When interviewed by the GBI about these messages, Christian admitted to sending them, but characterized them as sarcasm and in poor taste. Uh, to say the absolute fucking least. The minimum. Like, that's the minimum you could say. You are the biggest Poor taste? You were the biggest dick I have You called her porch lady, you bastard. Like, uh, someone... That's the sickening thing. And then you go on to say and joke about how you have to... won't have their mother like you deserve a rotten hell you are a sick fucking individual and i hate that we live in a world where things like this get to just go on oh it's just an accident but while christian admitted to sending the screenshot at snapchats i mean because how do you say that's not your screenshot in your snapchat Mm -hmm. but my whole thing is he didn't know what that little green thing meant that means she screenshotted you, you dumb bastard. <laughs> you need to learn Snapchat. Even I know that, and I don't even fucking get on it. Mm-mm. Stupid. While Christian, you know, like I said, admitted to the sending the screenshot snap, or blah, sending the Snapchats to her, and she screenshotted. Mm-hmm. If you could figure out what I was saying, mm-hmm. he denied sending any photos of the crime scene. Christian also denied having any knowledge of Barrera and Callan before the 911 call, mm-hmm. having any, you know, knowledge of that. He denied that. Wow. So, okay. As well, you know, he denied, you know, of having any relationship with Barrera and Callan before Tamla's death. Christian also told the GBI that he believes Tamla's death was the result of an accidental fall from the balcony. And that he had no doubt Tamala landed where she found was found. I have doubts. I have severe doubts. And you had clear doubts that you told another motherfucker. And now you got a whole different story on the record. You're a bitch. He's scared. It's like a whole big conspiracy theory now. They're like right threatening his life. On July 28th, 2021, the GBI concluded their reinvestigation concluded it ultimately deciding not to pursue criminal charges the gbi investigation appears to have left other loose ends because in an interview with investigators tam's husband's friend stephen reynolds 
he articulated concerns that the death may have been sexually motivated. It's my thoughts, kind of. This is a kind of along my, where I was thinking. I mean, I'm not going to say who was the sexual predator in the scenario. Who, but but I'm, he, was, he didn't like her. I'm thinking it was sexually motivated too by that. But Reynolds claimed that two of the couples present that night, Tam died, were swingers. Who were the two couples? Tom and Jose. That's, the two couples. Yeah, that's fucked up. And the two women. So, um, like I said, he concluded, you know, they were swingers. And he told the GBI that his first thought was that Tam died after someone tried to initiate something with her sexually. This doesn't appear to come up anywhere else in the investigation, including in interviews with two the two couples he implicated. Nothing. Where's Where's the um no uh rape kit? No, nothing. No. <laughs> you would think. Like you guys did a whole autopsy. There was I no thought, rape kit done in the autopsy. Like why None. isn't that something that's like a standard? None. Like None was done. Wow. Wow, exhume her body. Is it too late for that? <laughs> Another question the GBI left unanswered was the origin of the Xanax found in Tam's system. Her toxicology report had been the subject of, you know, much focus since the results seemed to confirm that she fell accidentally while intoxicated. This seemed, ex you know, ex easily explained by the bottle of tequila she brought with her. But, you know, she also tested the TAC positive, whatever. You know, the little baggie was found in her purse, whatever. Uh, witnesses kind of confirmed, you know, somewhat saying that she was taking shots and maybe smoking weed that night at the party. So maybe, again, that's why her and Jose probably got into it. But Horsford also tested positive for the Xanax, you know. It was the little, you know, small, small dose, but, you know, she had taken the Xanax sometime before she died. You know, and alcohol and the Xanax, they're both depressants. Mixing the two can over-sedate you, slowing your breathing, all that. Cardiac arrest, da-da-da, like I said a minute ago. The crime scene offered no explanation for this result. None. It was not clear where or when she took the Xanax or how she got it. Party attendants, they have unanimously denied any knowledge of Tam taking or being given Xanax. But there was one person there mm -hmm. that night mm -hmm. with a Xanax prescription. And who was that? According to the report... During the GBI's initial in interview with that woman who was not named, hmm, she denied sharing Xanax with anyone. Yet the GBI investigation turned up text messages that suggested this was not true and that she had in fact shared Xanax with a woman from the party. In the message sent November 4th, the morning after... Tam's death. Another friend from the party texted her. 
I know y'all are a little bit older, but do y'all not know how like this phone thing works? They don't. Like, they don't. This is she, awful. She got a text while they was probably in and outside the house from She's each like, other. She's like, oh my god. It was OMG. probably one outside, probably one that was still inside that was texting each other. OMG, all caps. So not only was they not separated, they was letting them text each other still. Oh probably. my god. So she texts her the morning and says, "I'd hate to ask, but can I please get more meds?" It really helped me. Excuse me? Wow. You're going to clearly ask for more Xanax. After. After. I, I just. After Tam just died and y'all are, y'all are here. Cold. Being questioned. You cold, How am I going to bring you the Xanax in front of all these cops? You cold hearted bitch. You cold hearted bitch. So I just, it really helped me. Like, Okay. The woman Go get get your own script then, bitch. I don't know. The woman with the prescription responded in an in an affirmation. So like, yeah. The and they were coordinated to meet up and do an exchange. When they were confronted with this evidence, the woman confirmed that she had given her friend a small amount of Xanax the morning after Tam's death. She maintained that she had only given this woman Xanax because she knew her well. She said that other witnesses insisted that she did not give Tam Xanax that night and that she wouldn't have since she was not close with Tamla and she was aware she had been drinking. So the other girl wasn't drinking and you gave her Xanax? Right. And it you was okay. you wasn't drinking and you took Xanax? Because I'm sure you took one if you made it aware that you had it. Stop. Stop acting like that. Obviously, people are aware that you, you had them. Like, cut, cut it, it out. out. Cut it. Right. The The GPI report doesn't appear to reach a conclusion on this, of course. So, many other points. Test them all. Test them all. I want to know if they all have Xanax in their system. I want to know. Because if she... If more than just them two have it in their system, then somebody needs to start answering some questions because obviously something's going on. Right. So, like I said, the report didn't appear to reach any conclusion on that or many other points in Tam's case. Instead, the GBI focused much of their investigation on Leander Horsford, Tamela's fucking husband and father of her children gave a search warrant for his phone his social media records obviously they didn't turn up any fucking relevant information because he wasn't at the party additionally they did testing and had testing done on tam's pajamas that also came up empty but what i don't ever understand is why why he was a black man like I, where, where did that get them? I, I literally am just so frustrated because it's just like, you guys had so many clues right under your fucking nose. And you're like, oh yeah, let's let's go to the husband. He was not even there. Not even, make it make not sense. even close. Like, what, excuse me. Make it make sense. In the, in the end, the GBI largely sided with the original fucking findings of Forsyth County, as you would expect. They said that this was simply a tragic accident, the result of a mom's night gone wrong. Not filing charges. DA Penn 
seem to agree with the findings of both Forsyth County and the GBI. That's super disappointing. As fuck. Like, you failed. Y- yeah. You failed her. Yeah, that the system legitimately failed her and her family, and she's not the only one. And then slapped them in the face and, and served a search warrant on Lee. Like, what a slap in the fucking face, you piece of shit. Like, even though these people are clearly being shady and weird as fuck, like... I can't. This poor family. No Terrible. wonder. No wonder they don't want to. They don't want to talk to the media. They don't want to be in any any media. Yeah. I wouldn't either. I would say fuck you too. Like this is all just a horrible fucking dream that they can't. A, a nightmare, not a dream. A horrible nightmare that they're never fucking waking out of. Yeah, like, it's terrible. Yeah, and then like the the area they live, everyone's like already fucking racist anyway. Oh, I'm and, getting there. Oh, you like, know I've gotten that in here. Like, Lord. Now, here is a theory. Now, I didn't say it was my theory. Not exactly my thoughts, but maybe. But here's a theory. Many suggest murder and that the town of Cummings, Georgia, is a very racist city. Boom. And with Tamla being a black American resident and the chances of people murdering her were quite high considering that murders of black people have increased in the past couple years. In 1912, Forsyth County, where she lived, drove out every black resident and a mob of white supremacists. Every one. In the towns, more than 1,000 black residents were driven out and stayed out, and it stayed white for nearly 75 years. Black churches were set aflame and night riders were terrorizing black sharecroppers and landowners, according to newspaper reports. This is scary that this is something that can really happen in our country. Like, no, this is not okay. You don't have the right to do this. Check this one. Enraged white people are driving blacks from county was the headline in October 13th of two, of 1912 the edition of the Atlanta Constitution the article went on to say that quote recent outrages committed against white women in the county have been have so enraged the white people that many of them have determined to drive the negroes good bad and indifferent from the county wow so it's all it's all there it's all black people's fault i'm confused so they're just gonna yeah i don't i don't get it yeah the racial cleansing started in 1912 but made national news in 1987 guys i was literally pre one year old i was negative one 87 guys i was born in 88 this this is like that's when they made national news 1987 i literally can't that's when activists marched into cummings bringing awareness to the county's racial history and they were met with white residents with keep forsyth white signs chanting the n-word and throwing rocks in 1987 guys i was literally almost born like, how is this still going on? 
So even, you know, showing that racial history, you know, was not too far in the past. Forsyth County still to this day, to this day, Googled. Forsyth County remind uh the Forsyth County remains primarily white. Now the fifth the five largest ethnic groups in Forsyth County, Georgia, are white seventy one point seven percent. Asian, 12.9%. White Hispanics. White with a little bit of Hispanic. 7.5%. Black or African American, 3.32%. Oh, how many people are there? And two races or more, 2.1%. So, so not a lot of... You know, wow. diversity. It's it's seventy one point seven percent white still, guys. Yeah. So, I mean, so be careful if you're traveling through that area. Careful as fuck in Cummings, Georgia. Sounds like. Yeah, or passing through, or just make sure you do your research when if you're traveling. I mean, I I have questions, honestly. My, what do you think? I I I already told you. I, I strongly believe that. Something went astray that night, whether it have been sexually motivated, whether it have been her having weed that night and maybe, you know, things Him not agreeing. Yeah, and things got heated. Um, somehow they got into an altercation, things happened, other people were witnesses, they all agreed that they'd have the same story, then they they pushed her off then. Then they started thinking like, Well damn, she's down there and it doesn't really look like how you would fall. So they went and tried to manipulate the body and did a piss poor job at Terrible. doing that. Terrible. Like, um, yeah. So no, I, I think it, it's huge cover up, um, on and so many parts. Just so police, many different stories. The, and... the coroner, the police, the false Ugh. reporting, like in the fact that she, she's black and that it, where it happened, you know, they, you gotta they don't take give that shit. Into consideration. You really have to take that you, into consideration. You can't here. blindly just say that that's not a factor because it definitely is. Like they're just like like covering up all this this information because they really don't give a damn. They don't. They want to just close it and they just want to say this was it and I mean move on. Basically, I mean I. So what do you what do you think? What's your take? I mean. Honestly, my take on the whole situation, it's all fucked up. It's all a fucked up scenario. I mean, honestly, we could probably really not ever know. Because, I mean, truthfully, Tam might have been the only other person to really know. I mean, hell, it could have been a hell. It could have been a fucked up ass accident. Fucked up ass accidents happen all the time. Yeah, but especially when you're talking about drinking, drinking and the Xanax, you know, yes. Unless you have done that, like you have no idea, right? But I personally think that it was more. It was. I think it was something like the the husband's friend said. I think it was more of something that sexually motivated something going on. I don't think it had more to do with the swingers. I think it was more of an individual coming on to her because there was like i said the time stamps you, you we got to go back to the time stamps in the in the doors in the doorway because i when mean it was open and closing and... when she went out the front door it was 147 
she came to the back door, it was 149, and opened it and closed it. So she smoked. Yeah. And then the door opened again at 140, 157. Mm-hmm. So literally, you know, eight minutes later. So maybe she wasn't done smoking. And someone else. Maybe someone else came out to that patio door. Yeah. Maybe someone else came out a little too, you know, drunk a little too, too, you know. Someone else that, and she wasn't doing that you know that's not what she was there for she was trying to have a good time but not that fucking time right like so someone got upset because like i said the way you would i would feel like you would break your neck in the v in the c2 i would feel like you would hit your head backwards yeah maybe they pushed her she fell and hit her head on something she died yeah so they tried to cover it up by showing it was a whole other accident and that they were not involved. Personally, I think that's what it was. I don't, I'm not going to say who I think it was or who, you know, could have been. Because, I mean, there's only two men that were there, yeah. personally, that you could say. I mean, there was only two men. So, take your choice. Choose both. I don't care. Or any of those corrupt-ass women... But they covered that shit up like uh, a bitch. Uh-huh. They sure it did, was definitely they? covered up. Um, then I believe the police officer that was there, he was involved. The one first on the scene, he was involved. I believe that cop that um, that he called before nine one one. I believe that was a thing too. I believe he called him and he did ask for his advice and he did. Tell him what to do. Mm-hmm. I believe all of that. Me too. I believe it happened. In a heartbeat. It did happen. But, I mean, you you have to ask. Did Tamala, perhaps, like I said, slip and stumble over some furniture that was on the deck and just fall over the rail, flat on her face, no, no trying to catch, catch herself? Delayed response. I mean... In, That's not that far of a drop. It's, to 14, to, it's 14 feet. You fall nine seconds. I'm sorry, nine feet every second. So, so you wouldn't have had too much time to react, but you would have moved your arm. You can't say you wouldn't have had time to move your arm in front of you or try to turn or something so you didn't fall flat on your face. But, well, you know, you could go with the investigators theorized. She may have been sitting on the rail. Why? I don't know. And how was she sitting on the rail to fall like that? And how she would fall Because she wouldn't be or... sitting on the inside of the rail to do that. Like on the she inside of the porch, back. she would have had to be sitting on the outside, outside of the porch. Why would you do that? I mean, when you're drunk, you might do some stupid shit, but you wouldn't have faced outward. You would have like, faced like inward on. to like face towards the porch. Uh, right. But they they say she fell, sat on the rail, you know, yeah, maybe right. lost her balance and fell over. Do you think... Someone had a hand in her death. Yes. Did you, you know, did Tamla get into an argument with the person in the house that night? You know, do you think someone pushed her over? Like I said, do you think a completely different person came in from that garage door being open at 140? Someone else completely stranger danger walking into the garage and just coming on in through the garage door while she was out there alone. But if that's the case, why cover it up like an accident? Yeah. No, I definitely believe it was someone there at the party. Um, was so involved. Like, it maybe sketched out. Like, I, I don't know why he was at the party. 
to that, begin with. Him or Tom or Tim or whatever that and guy's yeah, name was. I, mm-mm. They gave me that, the heebie-jeebie. That just rubbed me the wrong way immediately when they said that there were two men at the party at a girls' night sleepover. I just, I mean, and you could have found a, something else to do, but. Not only that, and then you got super aggressive with a female like, and from drunk Street. Y'all was like, all drunk. You, sh- you shouldn't have been in that situation. Yeah. You should have removed yourself from the home, sir. Right. No, I mean, just personally. But in my in the grand scheme of things, I, I like I said, I low key think they all kind of were involved. I mean, it, not um, it, a it, lot it, of them, a, at least a, a portion, because like even though they might have not have physically harmed her or had any part in that aspect, they knew how they can they corroborate corroborate. How do you say that? Corroborated. Yeah, their story. Ooh, that was hard. Their stories. They got their shit together. Um, so you can't tell me that they all weren't at least aware of what happened that night. Um, so yeah, I think they all played a part, to be honest. At least the ones that stayed late enough. And my whole thing is, how does the husband and wife leave at 8.30? That's when Jean's aunt is getting up. Mm -hmm. And she sees the body, but they don't. At 8.30. They just like dip out and like... And then where's the timestamp by Arlo, the system? They obviously... On their leaving. They obviously... And how was it direct at 8.30? I don't want to go off a... I think it was time frame. I want to know where's the fucking timestamp there. Yeah. I mean... But my only thing is that they just up and left is because they knew. Something. They knew. They knew something. They knew. They weren't going back there. They were like, okay, let's get our shit. Get out of here. Act like we didn't know what the fuck happened and be on our merry way. I'm I'm with you. Like... I'm with you when you white. Yep. (laughs) Yep. And this is actually... This is an awful, awful case. And I hate that we had to cover it. But it's like one of those cases like you have to cover it because of the unjust. And it's horrible for her. Oh, yeah. For her and her family. It's just, I feel so bad for her. She seemed like such a fun, loving person. It's awful. I hate to hear this for her. And she just was out trying to have a good time. And it was like in somebody's crib, like just chilling. Like you would never think you would go to your, quote, friend's house and die. Like, you know, and, like, you hear so many things. Like, you know, she was the only black lady there. And the rest of them were white. You guys see that infamous picture. Ugh. You know, and it makes, it makes you, me it, sick. It makes me cringe. You know, she's sitting in between all of them. And I don't even want to post that one, but you have to. Um, And I, I can't speak, you know, as I'm not a black woman. But I can only imagine. It's like, you know, she was stepping out of her comfort zone. She was trying to go you know, be with them and, like, trying to be cool with them and have a good time. And they undeniably did some evil shit to her. Yeah, for real. And, you know, like she said, I know this isn't the usual killers all around us episode, you know, but we have, you know, this case that was ultimately ruled an accident and... It had odd circumstances and different stories given, not to mention the fucking failures from the police by not treating this as a homicide. They literally just went on scene and went with what the fuck was told. 
from the minute they stepped on. You know, but as I, as I said, I feel this case needed to be put out there again and never forgotten. You know, like I said, hashtag justice for Tamla Horsford. Forever, man, because this is something that, like, these cities and our country still exist. These yes. people still exist, and we have to fight against these people. We cannot let these people do this to our country. Man. Um, to our innocent, amazing people. Like, black people, white people, yes. all of us, Asians, uh, Hispanics, Hispanics, Indian. Or, Native American, Native all American, everything, yes, everybody. Yes. We all we need to be together. You know, we need to. If you hear some racial shit, you know, whether you're white and they're saying something, 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 you know, shut you, that shit you gotta, down. You gotta put put a stop to that. You know, we shut can't that let shit that shit down. go on and keep letting that shit go on for generations. That shit's dead, bro. The shit's dead. In like 10, 20 more years. All the races are going to be mixed. It's not even going to be a white race. So yeah. that's really what you guys are scared of. If yeah. we want to keep it a buck. But my resources today was uh, an article from Alive. I'm sorry, 11alive.com. Whitewashed the racial cleansing of Forsyth County. Yuck. Mm-hmm. Um, a Rolling Stones article from the website. It was called New Documents Detailed. Cops bludgeoning response to Tamala Horsford's death. A tragic accident. GBI concludes investigation of, into Tamala Horsford's death. Uh, that's ForsytheNews.com. So, uh, yeah, that that has it for us, guys. That's it. Yeah, that was a rough one, but I'm I'm happy that you covered it and we look forward to doing another case for you guys. This is a comic crime podcast hosted by husband and wife duo Justin and Katie Daniels. This is a true crime pod that has our spin on the case and suspects. We're saying everything in respect of the victims and their families. This is our lighthearted way of bringing you the case with as much accuracy as we could research. You can hit us up with case suggestions at case suggestion in the subject line. Our Gmail is Killers All Around Us at gmail.com. Our Facebook is Killers All Around Us, colon, a true crime podcast. Twitter at Around Killers. Killers All Around Us. Instagram at Killers All Around Us. And then our lovely website Killers All all around us a true crime podcast.wordpress.com yeah guys so hey thanks a lot um please make sure you're sharing our episodes helping us get our word out we love you guys and we'll see you next time we love you bye bye